Pet Resource Radio is sponsored by La Mega KC, Kansas City Spanish radio station. Listen online or at 100.5 FM. We're also sponsored by our friends at 1KC Radio. Listen at 100.1 in the KC Metro or online at 1kcradio.org. We're talking with Camden Atkinson from the Missouri Department of Corrections about a program that pairs pups with offenders looking for rehabilitation. That and more coming up on Pet Resource Radio. From the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, I'm Dave Shapiro. And I'm Sierra Howe. Welcome to the program. We're coming to you from a building just packed to the gills with folks who love pets. We're a nonprofit whose goal is to keep pets and people together through supportive services. How are you doing, Sierra? It's been a rainy week. It and really I've just has. been so groggy, but mm. you know, I mean I'm I'm healthy, my pets are healthy, love my job, so it's going good. Okay, good. See, that's even though I like want to take a fat nap right now. But. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, maybe How are we'll you? take one after. Um, you know, I'm okay. I'm uh it's a little muggy here in the studio it for me. It is hot. Um, but we were sweating yesterday. Oh my gosh, we recorded some yesterday and it was just it was a disaster. It was just so sweaty. Okay. <laughs> well, we're going to talk to Camden Atkinson from the Missouri Department of Corrections about the Puppies for Parole program here in a bit, but first, a little pet news. First up, let's say you're a dog and suddenly war breaks out. What do you do? Well, if you're Ukrainian Jack Russell Terrier Patron, you get a job defending your country by sniffing out unexploded mines. Patron was originally purchased by Misha as a present for his son, but when Russia invaded the country, Patron was trained by professional sinologists to sniff out mines. Um, That's a fancy word for dog trainers. He works every day with a group of pyrotechnicians to help clean up the city of Chernihiv and surrounding areas. Cleaning up unexploded weapons from the city is expected to take a year and a half, according to Misha. Over 600 D-miners are working around the country. While nobody's allowed to know how many mines Patron has found, a spokesperson for the State Emergency Service told the Washington Post that at least 54,000 mines and unexploded ordnance have been deactivated so far. Patron has a hard job, but he's up to the task. Quote, Patron will work as long as our people need it, said Misha. But, you know, it's not all work. Uh, Patron just loves cheese, he says. And he's a very active dog that likes to have a good run with other dogs and then, of course, sleep. I'm always amazed by these stories. Like, they're never going to get old. No. I don't think. Mm -mm. And, you know, they're a dog, so you, you don't have to pay them for their work. But, like, man... I just want to compare like his job to a, a human who might have a similar job. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, and he loves cheese. That's his, that's <laughs> his reward. Thing. Uh, yeah, so exactly. That's cute. Just, like, I love cheese too. Cheese. Honestly, they could pay me in cheese here. And I think, uh, I'd be okay with that. I would, probably even though it doesn't pay the bills, I'd be eating my cheese outside on the sidewalk. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Next up. Sherry Nope, a 63-year-old woman from Katy, Texas, who was recently diagnosed with dementia, went missing for three days after she and her three-year-old Black Lab Max headed out for their afternoon walk. Her husband and children started to get worried when the two didn't return home that evening, so they contacted law enforcement, and volunteers from the community came together to form a search party. 
It wasn't until day two of being missing that search dogs picked up Sherry's scent, and both she and the dog were located around three in the morning in a thickly wooded area of George Bush Park because they heard Max barking. Sherry had several cuts and suffered from dehydration, and Max had a scrape on his nose and and paw, but the two are recovering just fine and are in good spirits. One thing I want to point out is that Max is not Sherry's service dog. He was originally acquired by Sherry's son to be a hunting companion, but after her son passed away in 2019, she and her husband took Max in as the last thing they had of their son. When Max was found, he wasn't wearing his leash or collar, which proves he stayed by Sherry's side until rescuers came. Quote, we feel like he was awake out there the entire time for three days, wide awake, protecting her, said Nope's daughter. And he was celebrated by so many folks in the community like the true hero he is. And, you know, he really is. I mean, obviously terrible. Dementia is terrible. Yes, her being we out were there just for three talking about terrible. we were um, just before recording, but um, they just know. Yeah. I don't know. Just a sweet story. It is a sweet story. Well, I tell you what, why don't we go talk to Camden Atkinson? All righty. Puppies for Parole is a program from the Missouri Department of Corrections established in 2010 that seeks to teach offenders how to socialize and train rescue dogs, making the dogs more adoptable and teaching offender skills they can utilize after they've served their sentence. We've got Camden Atkinson, Functional Unit Manager at the Western Missouri Correctional Center, to talk to us today about it. Camden, welcome to Pet Resource Radio. Uh, thanks for having me. So, all right, let's. So what is the purpose of the program? Uh, well, it's twofold. Uh, it gives the offenders uh, um, a purpose and, a, and an opportunity to gain life skills uh, while they're incarcerated and perhaps take those out. And it also helps us to... Um, help with the local shelters and foster dogs and train them to get them adopted out. So, okay. So you've, this has been going since 2010. Do we know how many dogs have been adopted through the program since then? Um, approximately, I would say it's probably a little more than 7,000 dogs at this point. Wow. That's amazing. Um, and, um, how many correctional facilities are involved in the program? We have uh, 16 of the 21 Missouri facilities uh, have pro- have active programs at this time. Wow, that's really, and that's uh, that's all across the state of Missouri. That's pretty fantastic. Right. How many, do we know offhand, just offhand, how many correctional facilities there are in Missouri in general? There, there's 21. Okay, so that's not uh, a bad, state, that's not yeah, a bad ratio. Yeah, 21 state facilities. Okay, okay. Um, what kind of trainings do the dogs go through? So it kind of varies from institution to institution, depending on who they're partnered with. Uh-huh. Um, historically, what I've been around, we've had basic um, come, sit, stay type training. You know, sure. it's an American Kennel Club uh, type registration certification. Um, but then there's uh, other partnerships. Je- uh, Jefferson City Correctional Center partners with a company or an organization called uh, Canine for Camo. Yeah. And then we also are, are fostering a, a partnership with an organization out of Liberty, Missouri, uh, Warrior's Best Friend, who the, they train therapy dogs and uh, service dogs for veterans. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And then we've also had other dogs go out through actual service companies, uh, two people with, with kids with autism uh, and other needs. They're, they're just kind of a, a comfort dog or a therapy, you know, a, a not really a service dog, but a therapy dog. But a therapy dog, yeah. That's always amazing to see, especially for dogs that come in through you know, a shelter and you don't necessarily know the background on the dogs. 
um, to have them come through and then end up being therapy dogs, I think is pretty amazing. Yeah, actually, um, the organization that we're working with in Liberty, that's all they do. Wow. Wow. Uh, Unless they have somebody request it specifically, but all the dogs that they take in are, are shelter or, um, you know, whatever, you know, not, not purebred dogs. Right. Yeah. Just some sort of mixed like mutts or rescue dogs or, yeah. Right. Um, well, what, what do you think this program brings to the offenders lives? Well, again, it goes back to, um, the, you know, giving them a kind of some structure, uh, teaching them a, a valid vocational skill sure. that they can take back out into the community. Uh, and then that, that responsibility that, um, Maybe, you know, some guys that have been gone, been been incarcerated for a long period of time, maybe they haven't had anything um, to be responsible for. Right. Uh, so it gives them that. And then, it, you know, it, it also provides them an opportunity to give back to the communities that they're from uh, to, to train these dogs and, and, and you know, go from a, a broken being to a, to a, whole, per, to a whole being that, that can go out back into, into the community. Right. And it probably helps, I would imagine with rates of recidivism. Um, Absolutely. Uh, that's actually been proven that the uh, participants have a higher employment rate and uh, lower recidivism, recidivism rates after release. That's really fantastic. And I remember I was reading through some of the materials on the website and there was a quote from, I believe the woman who started the program in general, talking about how when she was working with them, you know, there would be prisoners that would say, I haven't pet a dog in five years, you know, and Mm -hmm. just the fact that they are able to have that, that contact with someone or something in that way is probably good for them mentally anyway. Oh yeah. You know, it offers them a little bit of the, the offenders, some therapeutic support, um, within their cells, but then we also take them into our, um, Hospital units, if you will, are our, our, our TCUs where our, you know sick offenders stay, and mm-hmm. uh, you know allow them to interact with them, kind of like you would like a veterans home type. Oh thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we also do do that with our, our local veterans home too, uh, when we're able to take dogs out to them and let them interact with the the residents. So the uh, offenders, they get a certificate of completion when they finish the program, yes? Correct, yeah. We actually partner with the Department of Labor, and it's an internship program. And they, after so many hours, you know, it's quite extensive, 2,000, 4,000 hours, I believe there's certificates that go out, and that's actually a valid certificate out, out in uh, the work, workforce. Do some of them actually go on to work in the animal handling field? Yes. Um, I, I'm not aware of any out of our particular program, but I was actually just in Jefferson City and talking with a bunch of other um, coordinators, and apparently there was recently one that left um, from a state facility, and he opened up a program in Jefferson City. Oh, wow. Um, and he has his own business regarding dog training, and he only hires parolees who have been in the program that's fantastic wow that's great to hear um are there any success stories that you've heard that really stand out um well we recently actually had a a unique one here uh we had a dog come in from 
Great Plains SPCA out of um, Johnson County, Kansas. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, and all of the dogs go on the website for people to see. Mm-hmm. And we got a phone call, and that's how people make contact with us. They call us or email us to visit dogs, um, you know, to, to see if they want to adopt them. We got a phone call, and the individual says that that's their dog. Oh, wow. And so we did a little bit of investigation. My, my co-coordinator um, does a lot of the, the footwork for the program, but she made contact and comes to be that he had to move out of state and he had given the dog to a friend and they had wound up giving it to the SPCA. Oh, wow. And he found it on the, on the website. We were able to reunite them actually. Oh, that's fantastic. Wow. Um, well, okay. So if, if someone wants to see the available dogs or they want to learn more about the program, where can they go? Uh, you can go to you know your local shelters. A lot of times, we we work through the Great Plains SPCA, like I said, out of um, Johnson County, Kansas, and then the uh, Chillicothe Animal Shelter. So those websites both have us on there. Right. And then you can go to the Missouri Department of Corrections website, uh, doc.mo.gov, and then there's a, a link on the main page to the Puppies for Parole. And if you go into there, there's actually a section that says Available Puppies, and then there's also a Facebook page. That's awesome. Yeah, I was looking at the Department of Corrections website, looking at some of those pups on there, and they're pretty cute. Oh, um, yeah. It's yeah. Hard, hard to not take them all home. Exactly, yeah. Well, Camden, thank you so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you for having me. So... A little ripple went through the animal welfare community recently as a new study by the University of Massachusetts Chan Medical School seems to show that a dog's breed isn't necessarily an indicator of behavior. After surveying nearly 20,000 dogs of diverse backgrounds, researchers found that, quote, dog breed is generally a poor predictor of individual behavior and should not be used to inform decisions relating to the selection of a pet dog. So we've got our resident dog behavior guy, master trainer, Ben Olson here to uh, see how this aligns with his own experiences. Hey, Ben. Hello. Uh, I know it's early morning. It is indeed. Okay. All right. Here we go. (laughs) I'm here though. I'm here. Um, So would you say that generally speaking, you see the same problems across many breeds? Yeah. I I think training any dog has its difficulties and I think every dog has the potential to have some behavioral like hiccup or problem that we want to work on. So um, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough like thing to pinpoint. Is it the breed or is it the pet's training? That's the reason for it to have that behavior, you know? Right. Have you seen situations where someone was uh, frustrated because uh, their specific breed wasn't doing the breed specific things that they thought they would? Oh, absolutely. I've seen golden retrievers that were supposed to be hunting dogs that um, don't want to grab anything with their mouth. So it's really difficult to have those dogs be hunting dogs because they're supposed to go fetch things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, um, a lot of different breeds um, that are supposed to do things that they're supposed to do, like guard dogs, right? We have Rottweilers and Dobermans and all those really aggressive breeds, but I've seen some of those that are wouldn't hurt a fly. They are more scared than <laughs> aggressive. You right. Know? <laughs> yeah. And that's definitely one of the things that I've seen just having worked here for like six years now is you see so many animals that it you kind of really do see that stuff just kind of across all breeds, yeah. all breeds. It's not breed specific, especially when you're dealing with large numbers of dogs of every breed. <laughs> 
But what kind of things? So when we are talking about breeds, though, are there things that we we should be thinking about um, just in terms of, of yeah, genetic th- predispositions? Yeah, I think energy level is a huge thing to just think of, right? Like those working breeds, the dogs that are supposed to be pulling sleds, those dogs need lots, lots, lots of mental stimulation and energy exerting uh, somehow because they would normally be pulling a sled for four or five hours. So they really need to have something to focus their energy on instead of chewing up your furniture. Right. Totally makes sense. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Okay. Well, Ben, as always, uh, thank you for stopping by for a chat. If you want to join Ben's, if you got a puppy, you want to get that puppy trained. Come on down. Come on down. We train puppies. All right. That's it. Bye. And now we say goodbye to you, friends. Big thanks again to Camden Atkinson for being on the show today. If you're interested in learning more about the Puppies for Parole program or looking at adoptable dogs, just head on over to the Department of Corrections website at doc.mo.gov and click on Puppies for Parole under the Programs tag. As for us, we're a nonprofit keeping pets and people together, and you can help. Just head to prckc.org and you can donate, volunteer, shop our online store, and more. If you're listening to this on your favorite podcasting app, be sure to rate us and leave us a review so that more and more people join our ever-expanding legions of fans. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook for the latest info. We're at PRR Podcast on both platforms. So, tail wags and purrs to you and yours. And as author Kinky Friedman said, money can buy you a fine dog, but only love can make him wag his tail. Take care. Pet Resource Radio is a production of the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, written and hosted by Sierra Howe and David Shapiro, recorded, edited, mixed, and mastered by Dave Shapiro, music by Hazel Raw Musical Industries, a.k.a. me. More info at soundcloud.com slash Hazel Raw Musical Industries. <laughs> <laughs>